Oh Yeah, Oh Yeah is brought to you by Fuedobots. If you're not familiar, Fuedobots is a hot sauce of the month club. They bring small batch and craft hot sauces that you've probably never heard of to your doorstep every 30 days, every 60 days, or every 90 days. It's your choice. They've got sauces from the Deep South, Mexico, and even the Caribbean available to purchase right now. Guys, they even sell a spicy honey. You can shop by spiciness level, pepper type, and they even have gluten-free and low-sodium options. Go to Fuedobots.com and use the code BROBIBLE10 for $10 off your first subscription order. Lady Fate knew what she was doing when she delivered her to my doorstep. You're doing a couple of scenes on the MOW. It ain't Fate, and you ain't banging Brooke Shields. The onset romance is a time-honored Hollywood tradition, Turtle. Hey everybody, welcome back to Oh Yeah, Oh Yeah, The Entourage Podcast. I am your host, J.R. Hickey, coming to you from my studio in San Francisco, California. We are chugging along, we are at the back half of Season 2, we are deep in the Mandy plot, and today we are breaking down Season 2, Episode 11, Blue Balls Lagoon. We've had a great run of hilarious comedians on the podcast for the last four or five episodes. Mike Tamer Lando, Ben Schwartz, Adam Ray... Noah Darden Swartz. This week for Blue Balls Lagoon, it's not as well known of an episode. It's not as popular of an episode. I wanted to take it back. I invited my friend David Cavucci back on. David Cavucci and I used to work together at Bro Bible. He was on season one. We discussed uh, episode three, The Talk Show. David and I go pretty far back, so it was a little bit more of a casual conversation. It was recorded on a late Wednesday night. He had cracked open a few beers. I was getting over a cold, so a little bit of a different speed for this week's episode but still enjoyable nonetheless this is one of the first entourage episodes we encountered that i truly was not a fan of but we still had a ton of fun with it drama gets an erection in front of brooke shields ari tries to convince a forged painting it was great thank you to everybody who has supported the podcast listened left five star reviews those five star reviews are super important so if you haven't yet please leave us a five star review Go ahead and follow the podcast on Instagram and Twitter at oh yeah Pod. Follow me on Instagram and Twitter at JRWillDoIt if you're interested. And listen to the Spotify playlist. The information to access that is in the show notes for today's episode. Three more episodes after this until the end of Season 2. We've got a lot of really great stuff in the works. Enjoy my conversation with David, and I will talk to you next Monday. All right, we are back, and I am joined once again by the politics editor for The Daily Dot. He is a former Bro Bible writer and editor who joined us in season one for episode three, The Talk Show, dialing in from Brooklyn, New York on a, uh, what is today? Thursday morning? Wednesday morning? Wednesday afternoon? Wednesday night. There's, Wednesday Jesus night. Christ. Right? Wednesday night. David Cavucci, welcome back, brother. How you doing? Uh, am I your first repeat guest? You are my second repeat guest to okay. Anthony, who runs the uh, Entourage Quotes Twitter uh, Instagram account. Yeah. He's got a little more street cred than me, so. <laughs> How you doing? I heard it's pretty hot there in yeah. San Francisco. If you can tell, I'm a little loopy with the uh, heat because I'm I'm recording the shirtless right now in my studio because there is no air conditioning. I'll take mine off if you need to. <laughs> uh, as you know, you were a San Francisco resident. There are no building is built for extreme heat, so 100 degree temperatures kind of makes everyone go crazy. Yeah, I mean, I uh, I saw that it was like 85, and even that's hot for it, but it was even. Uh, 
was even hotter yesterday, right? Yeah, it's it's brutal. I'm sure everyone's loving the weather talk. <laughs> it's just yeah, dude, so relevant know? for everybody. Well, that's why they live in LA, right? For Entourage, or I guess they live there because that's where the movies are. But that's like one of the uh, allures of LA is, is that it's always 75 and sunny. Yeah, and as a lot of people know who've been to California, it's not always that way. Yeah, we could fuck the weather. Yeah, fuck it. Let's talk about uh, let's talk about Blue Balls Lagoon. We usually, I usually start by asking people like what their experience with Entourage is, but I think you summed that up pretty nicely in uh, our episode last season. Yeah, I mean, if anyone wants to recap, I was in college and I had friends and we smoked pot and we watched Entourage on Sunday nights. I mean, insert like that could be the story for every single guest we've had. <laughs> it's just like, what are you doing? What are we doing Sunday? We're gonna get stoned and watch Flight of the Concords and Entourage. Perfect. So we're talking about episode 11 of season two, Blue Balls Lagoon. It aired on Sunday, August 14th, 2005. Later on this week, an American sex comedy film directed by Judd Apatow starring Steve Carell would be released. Carell, who co-wrote the film screenplay with Apatow, plays the titular 40-year-old virgin Andy Stitzer. Oh, over the years... Did you glue this? I wish I had some scissors. Andy Stitzer has lost a lot of girlfriends. I'm sorry. But there's one thing he never lost. Are you a virgin? Oh, you are hilarious. Mmm, <laughs> this is good. You're a virgin! 40-year-old virgin received positive reviews from critics, and it grossed $177 million worldwide, and it ushered in a new era of R-rated comedies. Did, was there not R-rated comedies before then? There were, but this was the beginning of that, like, um, frat pack crew. You know, oh, it was yeah. like, super bad shortly afterwards. It was Knocked Up after or before? This was before Knocked Up. So I think it went in order. I think it went 40-Year-Old Virgin, Knocked Up, and Super Bad, all in 2005, 2006, 2007. Monster runs each summer. Yeah, seriously. Multiple viewings. Um, Good for Judd. Good for, this was Judd's peak for sure. I mean, he still does great work, obviously. Uh, crashing on HBO, another HBO comedy. Um, uh-huh. But yeah, this was this was the, the peak of his fame for sure. Peak, peak Judd. Yeah. All right, so this episode's synopsis. Vince and Mandy are outed as an item by page six, much to the concern of Shauna and Ari. Eric goes into damage control mode, keeping the two on a professional level while they're out in public. Ari gives Vince a painting as a gift, but Eric later finds out that the painting is a fake. Realizing that he's already in trouble due to Terrence's overtures towards Vince, Ari replaces the painting with the original, straight from his own wall. Drama loses his movie of the week did when he gets overexcited about his scene with Brooke Shields, and Eric's relationship with Sloane grows more interesting, further complicating his personal and professional life. David, before we even dive in, what was your favorite moment from this episode? Uh, well, you nailed that synopsis. My favorite moment from that episode was just that, you know, that very sad look Turtle gives Johnny. You know, Turtle's a couple of months set. This is Johnny's big moment with Brooke Shields. It all goes wrong. And Turtle is just perfect standing there and looking at him like, you fucked up, man. Like, I can't help you. I feel bad for you, but it's on you. And he just sort of shakes his head and stands there. And it's just it's perfectly done. I thought that was the apex of the episode. And it just made me smile. He's hard. What? He is hard. Cut! Cut! Cut it! Turtle accompanying drama to all of his auditions and his, like, why is Turtle on the set? Is my question. <laughs> why wouldn't the director? He's got nothing to do, and at the same time, you know, obviously celebrities have entourages, and I can see drama just like 
although he's not a celebrity and doesn't necessarily have the best of friends, I can see him not wanting to sort of like roll by himself without an entourage. So he makes Turtle come along and just say, you know, hey, you're my uh, you're my entourage. Yeah. Oh, just like the show. That's right. <laughs> I didn't think about that. <laughs> the Brooke Shields movie. We'll talk about her. We'll talk about the movie itself a little later. No, a hilarious moment. One of the few funny moments in this episode. I started this off before we started recording saying this this isn't one of my favorite episodes of Montage. This is not considered a great one, but I hope we can extrapolate some uh, some fun from it. There's always good shit to extrapolate from Montage. It's just, it's an onion. Absolutely. Did you have a favorite moment? Yeah, I would say Ari and E's exchange in Ari's office when E brings in the painting. I know it's a fake, Ari. Cut the bullshit. It's a fake? So I'm giving out fake paintings. You want to see the certificate of authenticity? Yeah, I do. Define the term fake, Eric. Because three years ago, Vincent Chase sat in this office, shook my hand, and told me that I was his agent. Was that a fake? What are you talking about? I'm talking about the Quentin motherfucking Tarantino meeting that was set up outside of this office. Terrence works inside this office. He's your boss. If you guys have a problem, then you figure it out, all right? But Vince isn't gonna pass on a Quentin Tarantino meeting that you couldn't get. <laughs> it's a jerk-off general. My six-year-old could get that meeting. Yeah, your six-year-old probably could have painted this shit, too. Tarantino is probably holed up in a Vegas penthouse with half a dozen tie hookers writing his next script, which no one has seen. I mean, for all we know, he's probably writing about Wu Zhu Chi, the lesbian empress of the Ming Dynasty. You want Vince to play a dictator dyke? If it's a good role. That's, I've got that on the list for uh, a quote, too. I also, yeah, I had earlier the scene with uh, Ian Ari as my second favorite uh, scene where sort of Issa sort of stood up and blackmailed him. I was like, oh, you know, I bet Terrence would give... Uh, Give Vince that painting for free, just sort of using, you know, Ari's own insecurities against him. So I thought that was a great E moment, too. Are you serious? Yeah, how much? It's a hundred thousand. It's a hundred thousand dollars. E, talk to your boy, please. For you? Why? Terrence would sell it to him. Shit, he'd probably give it to him. That's how I roll. Bros being bros, we talked about it every week. There's actually a lot of good bros being bros moments in this episode. Just guys being a group of friends. What were some of your favorites? Yeah, it really did have some of that because there was actually, for as little that happened in this episode, there was a little bit of emotional tension. I mean, Ian and Vince get in in spats almost every other episode. <laughs> but like this one, I felt was very relatable that, you know, a new girl comes in, the guys are sort of, you know, uncomfortable, weirded out, don't like her, don't, you know, worried how she's going to mess up the dynamic. And they see their uh, bro getting in, getting hit over heels. They're afraid of him. So I actually, I picked the... Uh, the scene where Vince and Turtle are eating pizza after, yeah. you know, it's sort of like, oh, you and your buddy have had a fight, so you guys split up, and then a third one does sort of damage controls, not the it plays like an intermediary, you know, you get to vent to him, then he goes to him. And we've always had that where we've gotten fights with our friends, and you go to someone else, and he sort of talks <laughs> some sets into you and is able to help you cool things off. And at the end, uh, that was, uh, that's exactly what happened. Did he say anything about the party? Nope. Should I say something to him? Nope. All right. He said you disinvited him. I didn't disinvite him. Well, that's what he said. He called me unstable. You have been acting a little unstable even. You want me to re-invite him to the party? Yeah. No. Only if he asks. Real mature. 
I, I liked the informalness of the dinner and the conversation because up to that point, they been getting heated at each other. They'd been kind of at each other's throats, E and Vince. And then, you know, Turtle just kind of comes in as like the, the friendly cop and is like, listen, man, like we all have noticed this and you're acting a little different. We're all just worried about you. And uh, I don't know, I liked it. I also kind of liked it had been the first time in a while that you just saw them like casually eating. They'd been mm-hmm. to like so many nice restaurants and nice meals up to that point. It just felt a little bit more relatable to me. There was a, yeah, there's a lot of just shitty eating in this episode. They're like, tuna melt at the diner you know yeah crap pizza in la so it was a food episode i liked for a bros being bros moment i actually maybe i have two i i also had the the pizza parlor moment but when they're shooting skeet um at terrence's house in his backyard in beverly hills and splitedly they basically are like bragging to each other about who's the best shooter oh yeah now are you guys just gonna stand here or are you gonna shoot First up, the North Hollywood Paintball Tournament MVP, three years running. Whose whole family's of Sicilian ancestry? Your grandmother ran numbers out of a deli turtle. You're far from a made man. Yeah, we'll see. Pull. Yeah! And then when they shoot the steep. They start arguing about who hit it because it's very clear. It's not very clear who did it. Like that was just a typical guys like competing for no fucking reason other than like there's a thing to be competing over. Yeah, that I thought that was weirdly done. Like, I mean, I don't know if you've ever shot skeet, but it's usually, you know, you, especially they are so close, like clustered together, you know, one person would shoot and if you missed it, you could rag on them. But like all four of them shooting shells, you know, right at the same time, like, of course you're going to mash it out of the sky. And who knows? <laughs> I was like, I don't think that's how, it's not the best way to shoot skeet, but what the fuck? I've never that? done it before. Is, is that like incorrect in the show? It's I, I won't say it's incorrect because there's probably some sort of competition where everyone's shooting at the same time, but they're all standing right clustered together and they're throwing up one shell. You know, think of four shotguns, what they're spraying out. Of course, they're not going to miss it. So like yeah. usually, you know, you go one at a time and you can rag on each other then when they miss. But a little you know, contrived by the entourage it, writers. <laughs> just it's just a touch. And then, of course, the episode ends on a toast. This is like a Dud Allen staple early on. They like end on like everyone raising their glasses to something. Family. <laughs> to Manny. <laughs> to Manny and Vince. Cheers. Cheers. It's odd, but also still very like touching uh, mm-hmm. broetry a little bit. Yeah, it's either they either end on a toast or like things going off a cliff. Like it's either like the <laughs> shittiest cliffhanger, like oh Leonardo DiCaprio's doing the movie, yeah. or it's like oh we're all you know in here together. It's family. Um, it's like uh, like the end of Blue Blood. Every episode of Blue Bloods. <laughs> My dad's a big. That always ends with like a family dinner, and no one under the age of fifty watches this. And no I was about one. to say, Blue Bloods is like a Canadian cop show that's on. Uh, what network is that? Well, it's, on? It's, uh, it's based in New York. It's got uh, Tom Selleck on it. It's on oh, know, right. CBS, NBC. But oh, yep. it's like such a you know father show. Like dad's over fifty five. Like it. We'll do twenty years down the road. We'll do the Blue Blood. The Blue. I can't fucking pronounce the name. Blue Bloods. Yeah, we'll we'll do the podcast. Bro Bible presents the Blue Bloods podcast. Oh man, that'll be great. <laughs> Favorite Tom Selleck moment. Jesus. What was your least favorite moment from this episode? Uh, I had two. I don't know if I'm going to steal yours. I actually didn't like the Ari being a cheapskate sort of undercurrent of the episode. I got the painting thing, and I could have gotten that, like, that, you know, he buys a nice painting, keeps in his house, and then has a a fake in his office. Like, that I understood, and that kind of made sense to me. I'm not, like, an art collector, but you always 
read stories of people, you know, really famous works of art are like people display the fake one and then the real sure. one's kept in storage. But the, the like the Mercedes Benz thing, like he like, you know. And wow, he bought her a Robert Niche? That's really expensive. Yeah, well actually Ari pulled it off the wall and gave it to him, but still. It's oh so funny. <laughs> it's a fake. What do you mean? I mean, Ari's notorious for hanging forgeries in his office to impress his clients. Oh, please tell me you're kidding. No. And I don't know if it's true, but my father told me he changed the numbers on his wife's Mercedes. So she thinks she's driving around in a 600 and really it's a 5. Oh, that's crazy. <laughs> yeah. I get that they're trying to portray him as, like, shifty, but at the same time, he's, you know, the head of a, a major agency in in Hollywood, he can afford uh, one step up for a car. So An that, upgrade. Like, yeah. that, I just, I was like, that doesn't really make sense. Like, I, I know they're trying to make him seem shysty, but they didn't, they just made him seem like oddly cheap, which didn't seem like something. The, yeah, the car thing didn't make any sense to me. That's a good point. And like, I have a little bit more on the art we can talk about it now. Like, I just don't love the painting plot. It doesn't align with Ari's character. He never has art anywhere else in any episode of the show. Like, it's hanging in his office. Like, it's very clearly not even hanging in his office. Like, the way they cut it, like, Vince kind of looks off camera, and then they cut mm -hmm. to just a painting. It's like, what is this? It's a little bit jammed in there for, for plot convenience, in my opinion. Yeah, and I also wonder how did they pick like Robert Niche? Like, would you know, did someone like just actually have that painting? Did was it a you know one of the actors was there? Like, oh, I have you know a Robert Niche 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 whatever. I don't give a shit. Well, so this is another interesting point, David. I was gonna say, do you have some entourage trivia? I think I have some entourage trivia. Okay. I don't think Robert Niche is a real person. Uh, I'm. He's real. No, I know it sounds like it. I know that there is a a painter named Niche. N-I-E-T-S-C-H. Herman Niche. That's who I'm thinking of. I'm, I'm like, doodle it right now if you want. Like, I've searched high and low for this. <laughs> I'm on a website called Fine Art America, uh, where all the paintings sell for $22. Yep. Um, you're right. He might be made up. Um, I'm almost positive he's like a combination of Herman Niche and like someone else because it's not real, which was something that blew my mind in doing the research. I mean, I wish I had done a little more prep for this, but uh, yeah, I guess you're right. That's what I'm here for, man. That's not that's not the desk job. It's the nerdy host's job oh, to. The said I was. I don't. Maybe they couldn't get the rights to a painting in a name. Maybe they. So it's like this, this like broad stroke. Like, believe me, dude. When I heard it, I was like, oh yeah, that's definitely an artist. I've heard his name before, but no, he's like an am amalgamation. Yeah, if I was like watching that episode on a date or something i probably would have been like yeah I've, yeah i've seen some robert niche like <laughs> oh man and then so they just created this whole dumb like fake pronunciation thing too which is yep. just like a a small subplot that didn't did i tell you you got her a robert niche painting for her birthday a robert niche is it niche ari said niche <laughs> it's niche what's <laughs> the point of that so yeah that so that i guess that to be one of my least favorite moments i guess another one of my least favorite moments and and Walk, talk me through your opinion on this, but when they all go to the diner and Vince just invites Mandy and doesn't tell anybody. Just four? Uh, no, there's gonna be five. There is? Yeah, Mandy's joining us. We're supposed to lay low, Vince. What if somebody takes a picture? Yeah. Relax, this is Jerry's, not the Ivy. Do you see any paparazzi? That's, that's not cool in my opinion. I hate, 
the guy in my crew who does that. I hate the person that oh. invites you over to dinner and doesn't tell you that another person's going to be there. And I don't care if the other person's there. Just tell me ahead of time that they're there. Shit, I was about to do this this Friday. <laughs> so, <laughs> I should probably give people a heads up. Um, yeah, you're, yeah, that's fucked up. You know, it's a little, um, especially when you're younger, and they never really say how old they are in this uh show ever i don't think but i sort of always assumed you know like 24 to 28 and so when you're younger everything seems so important so even if it's just like a diner like lunch you're just like all right us guys we're going to get lunch and like someone you know pops in and you feel like the the mood is ruined the vibe is ruined because and you have had no time to prep for it whereas when you're a little older everyone's just like whatever you know we have kids like another person's not gonna i still have to watch my kid like another kid's not gonna bother me but yeah, you're right. That when you're younger, you, everything feels so important, and that just feels like it fucks everything up. Throws everything off. So I didn't like that. And then when she shows up, it's like super awkward. Vince is like, "You look cute," and they're all just like rolling their eyes and looking off. And uh, she's supposed to have some sort of history with drama and turtles. She's like, "How are you guys?" And you look cute. Really? I just got out of the gym. That's still cute. So, how are you guys? It's been a while. Everything good, Johnny? Yeah, I'm doing an MOW with Brooke Shields. Couldn't be better. Great. What about you, Turtle? Nah, yeah, just working hard, you know? It uh, it just does, it didn't work for me. Not a lot in this episode worked for me. So I didn't I didn't love it. I didn't love the whole thing at, at Jerry's Diner, like, or Jerry's Deli, whatever it is. And uh... <laughs> It's like stoked for a tuna melt, which is just seems like really lame writing. Yeah. Like, I'm here, yeah. I, want, I want to get my tuna melt. Like, no, you don't. Yeah, <laughs> no, one, no. no one wants that. Hey guys, I wanted to take a quick break to talk to you again about Fuego Box. Fuego Box is a hot sauce of the month club. They've tested thousands of small batch and craft hot sauces to bring you the tastiest sauces on planet Earth. From hundreds of hot sauces, they find the best of the best and ship them right to your front door. If you go through hot sauce as much as I do, a subscription box is the perfect solution. You can have new varieties shipped to you every month or even every quarter. Your choice, and you can cancel at any time. Try it for yourself at FuegoBots.com and use the code BROBIBLE10 for $10 off your first subscription order. That's FuegoBots.com, the code BROBIBLE10, for $10 off your first subscription order. Uh, speaking of writing, quotable show, what quotes or lines jumped out at you as, as being particularly good or funny? I mean, mine actually involves writing because just at the very beginning when, you know, uh, Johnny Drama's prep, you know, talking about Brooke Shields and how she's married and, you know, so, oh, is he a writer? Ain't she married? Yeah, to a writer. I mean, come on, me or a writer? <laughs> yeah, I'm a writer, so I uh, I understand yeah. that we get uh, we get short shrift and deservedly slow. There's that uh, deservedly so, um, but that uh, that stung a little bit. <laughs> it's perfect. It's perfect drama. Yeah. What about you? You got? Uh... Oh yeah, another another drama line early on when they're walking out to the car. You should have started dating her next week, bro. You'd have saved yourself some coin. I remember I broke up with Stacy LaRusso a week before Valentine's Day. I got back with her a week after. No chocolates, no roses, no class. Yeah. Is... <laughs> I really like that too because you can, you can see him just, you know. I mean, it's complicated. You never know uh, you never know how a relationship's going to be. Birthdays are, are very difficult. So I, I can see drama just backing away. But you, why would Stacy get back together with him, I guess is the question. Drama has these like one-off lines about girlfriends. Like later on in season three or four, he talks about Jeff Mancini, and that's like one of the most all-time entourage quotes. And it's mm-hmm. like, 
you know, these poor ex-girlfriends of dramas that have just been through hell and back. <laughs> uh, that would be such a great catalog of just, you know, like, a, just who are these women? Where are they now? Yeah. Yeah. We should start a support group. <laughs> One more line. It's actually from Shauna when they're in the office, like, scolding Vince about his... Uh... I'm not saying don't date her. I'm just saying be discreet. No hand-holding at the Grove. No canoodling on Melrose. Canoodling? No finger-banging a court set at the Lakers game? What? Fuck you guys. I'm making a point here. <laughs> and they all had turned and looked at Shauna, and she's like, well, I'm just trying to make a fucking point here. Like, I, I love the Shauna character, Debbie Mazur. She's throwing 90 in every scene. She's in, like, the, the mother bear of the entourage. Yeah, oh, she's, she's fantastic, and that was, that was a great quote. She shows up. There's nine, I've done the research. 96 entourage episodes. She's in, like, 70 of them. Yeah. Well, it's, almost this is a very important position. I mean, you know, it's... It, I think it's an it's probably an accurate representation of how often you'd be talking to your publicist. You know? I agree. I just looking back, like remembering when I watched this in real time in 2010, I didn't remember Shauna being around as often, and and she truly is like a main character on the show, which I like. Entourage is very musical. This wasn't a very musical episode. We do have all of our favorite songs from all the Entourage episodes in a playlist on Spotify. It's called Oh Yeah, Oh Yeah Music. The link to subscribe to that is in the show notes of today's episode. Did any songs jump out at you from this episode as being memorable? Actually, uh, one was really memorable. One I just noticed was uh, K-On to Garrow by Beck, you know, and the, the sort of transition from uh, shooting ski to whatever the next scene is. I remember when that yeah. album came out. And I think that's the opening track on that album. So I listened to that a bunch, and that song would always come on. And so that sort of just uh, first couple of notes like made me perk up. I was like, oh, yeah, that's back. And then, uh, but the other one, when they're eating, when they're at the pizzeria, and it's very quiet, and you can sort of only hear it in the background, but uh, Bullet in the Target by Citizen yep. Coke. Is, and that song is just like, oh, that hits me. It hits you, and it's so kind of like a early 2000s kind of emo deep you know it's like a, it, that weird combo thing that a bunch of rappers and alternative groups were doing back then so yeah i i had that one down as well yeah and i think it's used in god i want to say like the the sad scene and accepted that uh justin long movie um, what a what a callback that's like jonah hill's first role i oh that movie's not bad but like after he gets like found out um oh no it's not it's uh it's another Citizen Cope, Cope song. Okay, so it wasn't okay. so far off. Uh, Let the Drummer Kick. Let the Drummer Kick is yeah. a good one. And Let the Drummer Kick actually plays, fast forwarding a bit, when Johnny Drama is doing his late night teary-eyed drive to the Grand Canyon. Okay. Um, when uh, Five Towns reviews aren't very good. Uh -huh. Remember this scene? And then he finds out in the morning that the reviews are fuck the reviews like it did like a bunch of good numbers and he stands over the grand canyon and yells victory so oh, yeah citizen cope uh, a, a double feature on the entourage soundtrack perfect emo mid-2000s yeah amazing <laughs> uh yeah those are the, the two songs that i could uh discern as well so uh, those songs are on the playlist go go listen and follow the playlist everyone who's uh might be interested in terms of celebrity cameos, uh, some weeks we have really heavy episodes of celebrity cameos. Other weeks we have none at all. This week we had one celebrity cameo. Uh, we had two. Wait, wait, hold on. So who So who besides Brooke Shields? Okay, yeah, I mean, Brooke Shields is obviously the big one, but the director of, uh -huh. I guess he wasn't, this wasn't technically a celebrity cameo, but he was one of those, uh, or maybe this is the other category you use where it's like. Yeah, this is Faces in the Crowd. Okay, it's all good. That. One celebrity cameo. <laughs> Moving on. We'll put them later. No, no, no. Let's talk, no, let's talk about Faces in the Crowd first. You and sure? Then we'll do I don't want to throw off the mojo. Yeah. 
It's all dead. I mean, it's my show. I can do whatever right. order I want. All right, Jason's <laughs> in the crowd now. Uh, the director on the uh, movie of the week was the that journalist dude from the West Wing that would date CJ. Yep. Timothy Busfield's the actor's name, and he played Danny Tintanen. Ah, from yeah. West Wing. Oh, he was great. <laughs> you know, more more journalist like uh, more um, writer nerd shit. <laughs> yeah, I know. I'm just like, oh, those are all the oh, those are the writers. Love them. <laughs> yeah, no, he's. American actor and director. He's had over 650 professional credits. He played Elliot Weston on the television series 30-something, and he won a, an, an Emmy for it. So this very accomplished man. He played Tevin Costner's brother-in-law in Field of Dreams, mm-hmm. Danny Tintanen on the West Wing, and he is married to Melissa Dilbert, who is like a, a television icon uh, from back in the day. So dude's got it going on, and he's just kind of the uncredited or unnamed director of the M.O.W., yeah, good for him. Also, unfortunately, Joe Montana has dropped out. We're going to be great. We're going to be great. We're going to get started in just a second. Did you see what the name of the MOW was? No, I didn't. It's called Mommy Come Home. Oh. <laughs> we should talk about corner. this episode uh, title because that's something that didn't age well, but we'll get there. Yeah, let's. I, I to this day don't really understand what Blue Balls Lagoon means or its significance to this title who's got blue balls well, what lagoon are they talking about are you serious is this a hypothetical question to pivot into it or do you really not know i really don't know is this a is this a brooke shields reference yeah blue lagoon was brooke shields famous role that when Fuck. johnny was saying and then blue balls you know he's hard and I, and that phrase is such like a, a phrase that just doesn't carry weight anymore it's like you can't you know it's such a sh- like shitty phrase that guys would use to try and like convince women that they had to get off when it's like really just like no you're just horny it's funny i should know i should know this because i've got brooke shield's bio and imdb like right in front of me and i should have seen that like her most famous role was the blue lagoon but how were we, we supposed to know this in 2005 the blue lagoon was a movie from 1980 like it just you're right the title doesn't really track across a lot of different levels yeah, I mean, I guess if you were, you know, she was really young in Blue Lagoon too. I think. Yeah, she was like she was like fifteen or sixteen. I'm not joking. Yeah, so maybe that's it's even worse when. Uh, yeah, I don't even want to get into that. <laughs> yeah, let's. All right, well, shifting gears a little bit. Let's talk about Brooke Shields. Famously, she asks the camera, "You want to know what comes between me and my Talvins? Nothing." If you have never heard of Brooke Shields before, that is the tagline from her Talvin Klein jeans ad, and it really grabbed America's attention. She was a child model. She gained critical acclaim at the age of twelve for her leading role in the film *Pretty Baby*, where she played a child prostitute in New Orleans. Jesus. Yeah, I don't know about that. No, yeah, and then it was two years later, so she was fifteen years old when she was in *The Blue Lagoon*, and uh, she stopped acting to attend Princeton University where she graduated with a bachelor's degree in romantic languages. Pretty baller. She she went to Princeton at the age of like 17, came back, was in a Suddenly Susan as the main character. She was nominated for two Golden Globes and she still is working. She's on Law and Order Special Victims Unit currently. Yeah, I was wondering if it seemed right that she would be doing a, a movie of the week at this time in her career or if that was just sort of like an inside joke, like, you know, Brooke Shields will be doing this. But it looks like, you know, she was on Suddenly Susan and then she had some spots in that 70s show. But around uh, 2005, she wasn't doing much. Um, There's nothing that really sticks out. So she might just actually, you know, have been maybe not hurting for money, but wanted to get her name back out there. Nothing nothing was popping. So she could just be on a on a movie of the week. 
And these are all NBC shows that she starred in, so this definitely would have been like an NBC movie of the week that they just like threw her a producer credit and she made, you know, hundred grand or something like yeah. that for a week's worth of work. So no, I, I could totally see her doing this like in, in real time. And and honestly, what was interesting to me was Brooke Shields wasn't a household name to me as a as a twenty two year old dude. Um in Chicago watching this in 2000. I mean, was she a little bit more of a household name to you? I don't know if how, I mean, I definitely knew who she was. I wasn't surprised. And I think I probably sure. remembered her from Blue Lagoon. But yeah, maybe they, kudos to Entourage. They nailed it. It was someone who you knew, you maybe knew her, or, and that movie of the week you saw and were like, who the fuck is that? I know who they are. And you're sort of stumped for a while until someone uh, next to you is uh, like, that's Brooke Shields. Outfits. We always talk about outfits as not aging particularly well. Any outfits stand out at you as being pretty flagrant in this episode? Uh, yeah, two. So in the first Ari uh, Vince scene when they're all in his offices, Shauna Ari is wearing just a lime green tie. Yeah. It's like, it's like neon green almost. It's 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 very loud. There's another neon green thing in this episode, but I'll bring it. Uh, I'll mention it later. Um, and then E rocking a black button down on a first date. I mean, that is very... Very mid two thousands. I don't know who's going black uh, button down shirt for a very first date uh, these days. I feel like it was like the first date shirt for every man between the age of twenty and twenty five during that time period. I myself had two black button downs that I remember. I, did, I did not. I never wore black, but that's just <laughs> me. I, it's not a. It's not a color I could pull off, which seems weird. I think anyone can. <laughs> uh, dramas dot his baddie cargo khaki pants at the beginning and then when they go shooting he puts on the khaki vest over it while they're in the car <laughs> which is an absurd look to let a whole tatty jumps jumpsuit basically yeah and you know he's the person that gets overdressed for the uh, the activity every time and so they, yeah. they did nail that sort of character um behavior absolutely we love entourage for its references i love like don't doing deep dives on like the random references that they made drama specifically like does all these like references to old shows and old roles of his but a couple of references jumped out at me, um, and let me know if any jumped out at you. The first is uh, drama saying to Vince, yeah, Vince, let's do a Tarantino movie. He can revive me like he did for Travolta. It'd be more like reviving Freddie Boom Boom Washington. <laughs> I did not know who that was, but... Freddie Boom Boom Washington was a character on the ABC hit comedy series Welcome Back, Cotter from 1975 okay. to 1979. So, wow, what a throwback. <laughs> yeah, that was way over my way over my head. But the name itself implied that it's like a has-been, which which it was. The actor Lawrence Hilton Jacobs hadn't really done anything since that role, so uh, <laughs> I like that. I also like the foreshadowing of the quote from Vince when he's in the office with Shauna and Ari. He goes, Guys, what am I doing here? I feel like I have a coke problem. Which foreshadows <laughs> the entirety of season seven of Entourage. I never watched that season, so it'll just be a mystery to me. Spoiler alert, Vince oh, develops shit. a coach problem. <laughs> yeah, and he starts to, I've, you know, I, it, it, uh, through cultural osmosis, I know he was dating uh, Sasha Gray and doing yep. lots of coke. So yep. it's not like you didn't write it for me. Don't worry. What other uh, references jump out of you? Uh, you know, when Shauna and Mandy both announced they've been outed by page six, like page six is still a thing. And they're actually still doing decent reporting. But nowadays they just have been outed by Twitter. Yeah, uh, you know they uh, of course got a shot it in um, Geely. You're their million dollar baby. They don't want you pulling an Angelina Jolie. Yeah, or a Russell Crowe. He broke up Dennis Quaid and Meg Ryan on Proof of Life. Movie cost eighty mil. Did less business than Geely. Yeah, yeah. Which is like, come on, guys. I mean, I guess at the time that probably was the biggest flop that was on Hollywood's minds. So that makes sense. I feel like Geely still used as like a punchline though. 
Yeah, yeah. It's but like again, this is me complaining about writing. Like, move on. Let's find something else. There's got to be. Was that like Taylor Kitsch uh, Mars movie? That was a terrible flop. Right? John Carter. Let's, yeah, let's use that. Yeah. Uh, and then last, uh, this is not a reference. Uh, it's not like something someone said, but on E and Sloane's date, there's the first shot. It's like a wide shot of them sitting at the table, and it's shot from behind the bar. And there's someone there, and they have a giant neon green apple teeny with like a slice <laughs> of apple just like stuck on the martini glass. And I was like, that looks fucking disgusting. That just looks like a sugar bomb to the gut. Oh my God. Yeah, and no one, no one is ordering that these days. Like, no, that's a good catch. Even I didn't catch that one. That's a very like. As I told you, I watched this episode twice. <laughs> so did I, but I watched every episode twice. It was a very Sets in the City drink, right? Like, someone would have ordered that after watching an episode of Sets in the City Absolutely. at a bar. Last one. A lot of a lot of good references in this, uh, or a lot of not good references, but a lot of outdated references. Uh, Sloan and Mandy know each other from Barry's boot camp. <laughs> I'm sorry, guys. It's totally my fault. I was having a major fashion disaster. Happy birthday, sweetie. Thank you. Did you know each other? Yeah, from Barry's boot camp. Uh, let's get a drink. Yeah, let's do that. Barry's boot camp is like a very popular high intent hot, whatever it's called, H-I-I-T interval training class that, like, is widely popular now, at least in, like, all major metropolitan areas. But in 2005, it only was L.A.-operated. It only opened a few years earlier. It initially was just, like, a bunch of people getting together in a park and doing, like, burpees and up-downs and high knees and shit like that. And in 2011, it moved to Manhattan. It's now got locations in over 12 states and over 10 international markets. I only know this. Because I do Barry's boot camp with my wife <laughs> once a week. Uh, yeah, we used to do on the show how would this episode be different in 2019, and I put that down for how it would be the same actually. Because I, I was blown away when I heard it too. I was like, "What the fuck? Like that was the thing." So like that would be the only thing from the episode that was unchanged. But yeah, I did it once. I'm not a regular. Uh, fuck that shit. <laughs> just just go just jump up and down in your living room. Don't pay thirty two dollars a class. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, uh, good segue, how would this episode be different if it aired today in 2019? You know, there wasn't uh, much to it. And uh, I think this episode could have aired just as is in 2019. There wasn't any, uh, you know, terrible language. There wasn't sort of an outdated, you know, guys are going to fall in love. Uh, That's still part of it. Guys' friendships are going to get tested by that. I didn't see anything different, but did you? Well, you know, we, we try to keep this lighthearted and I've, tried to avoid the like really problematic parts of this show but it's, it's worth mentioning that johnny drama would be blackballed from hollywood <laughs> if he like got an erection on set it would be this like whole thing right i i think that's what the like climate is at right now i think it would be like headline breaking news and it wouldn't be funny it would be horrifying <laughs> yeah oh yeah it could be, i mean it definitely yeah i didn't even think about that like i thought maybe you know if he said it was an accident like he could have you know it could have get got swept under the rug which it did feel like an accident but you also are getting it from his perspective yeah could be you know you know viking quest uh actor rubs erection against brooke shields yep. and yeah sort of yeah absolutely Again, it's played for laughs. It probably wouldn't be played for laughs if the episode aired in 2019. It just wouldn't even be a plot. It would be... Johnny Drama, canceled. Yeah, yeah, let's cancel Johnny Drama, thankfully. So speaking of drama, what was your favorite Johnny Drama moment from this episode? 
Uh, you already mentioned it, but the uh, the line about breaking up before the birthday, I thought was just classic, you know, like so self-centered. So just like I came up with this life hack that's actually like way more work than it actually is. Like kid just bought a birthday gift and saved so much trouble. Uh, and then, you know, honestly, the, the scene of him, you know, getting that erection was so sad and just so perfect <laughs> for him. And you're right, it may not uh, have gone over well. It may not go over well now, but... That at the time was just like you felt for him so badly. Johnny Drama is like the tragic comedic figure. He's like the definition of like the symbol for theater, the smile yeah. and the frown. Like it's just perfect. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Two lines. They're more lines than like moments, but uh, when he like sidles up to Brooke Shields, he just like taps the guy on the shoulder. He's like, hey, pal, the ADs want a word with you. <laughs> the guy's like, what do they want? And he kind of gives this like, like really like frightened, like shrug like, like, like i don't yeah. know that's some that's some good acting by drama it's true that he's an actor by trade so like every once in a while he can like put on a face but uh i liked that that was a small funny moment yeah, and that was really and then the uh like very first couple lines of the episode you know brooke shields was the first girl i ever seriously jerked off to that's romantic drama you should tell her <laughs> yeah he almost did he basically did he yeah. like implied <laughs> Vince can't win the episode any week because he's the A-list movie star, but who would you say won the episode this week? A little messy this week. Not a lot of winners came out, but uh, what do you think? A little messy. I guess I, I do have to give it to uh, Eve. He, went, <laughs> he had a great first date. You know, he brought yep. uh, Sloan out to, you know, that party, and it went over well. Turns out she had, you know, some good history with Mandy, and it's always nice when your friends have a way to hit it off real quick. So, like, his feud with... Uh, Vince was only 14 minutes long, maybe not even, but, uh, <laughs> you know, he did, and he got uh, the real painting. So he did, he basically, yeah, he won the episode. Very. He saved the fictional Robert Niche painting. <laughs> yeah, I can't believe that. I feel like an idiot. Uh, no, it, it's okay. I don't think many people who listen to this podcast will know. I hope that's news to everybody. I hope I'm... like tons of shock tweets. Holy oh, shit. Yeah. Niche. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I would say E as well. Yeah, touches the fade painting. He stands up to Vince for being unstable. This, uh, I'm, I'm going on a sidetrack here, but like this episode, the Mandy plot lasts over like four and a half, five episodes. This is right in the middle. And this is where it drags for me. Yeah. This is where like, I'm tired of the boys having to constantly be like, Hey Vince, you're being a little crazy. And I'm, I'm tired of it. I want him to move on. I want things to start happening. I want him to start shooting Aquaman. So I, I really did not have a good time watching the boys like go through that. And so just by process of elimination, E standing up to Vince, saving the painting and having dinner with Sloan, like he he wins the episode. Yeah, absolutely. There, and no one else comes even close. Like Vince gets out of by page six, already comes cheapskate, you know, drama. Lose, yeah, it was a sad episode for most people. So on that note, would you list this as an A list episode, a B list episode, or a D list episode? I think we're all in agreement, you and I, all of us, uh, that it's, it's pretty. <laughs> it's pretty. It's not a D list episode because the drama plot is great. But that's, I mean, the drama plot, otherwise it'd be a D-list episode, but the drama plot just sort of saves it. And yeah, I gotta, I gotta give it a D. I'm not as down on it as your yeah. last guest in the bar mitzvah. That, uh, that got panned, <laughs> uh, which I didn't think, I thought that was like a B-list episode. And that guy just, just, I know, I know you were, you were butthurt that you weren't asked to be on that episode. I'm I just, sorry. I remember, that's okay. We can talk about it for a second. Cause I told you I was going to, um, I just remember that episode so well because I was, you know. I think I was I had broken up with my girlfriend and was feeling down and you know we were like 20 god no that episode aired in 2005 2005 I hadn't even met my girlfriend at that point but the way I remember it <laughs> was like 
being really down and just like thinking life sucks and you know like not thinking very highly about myself and i just remember that scene where like uh vince swears he's gonna swoop in and you know take sloan from him and i just remember like me feeling very like e-like in that episode of like oh man this sucks like that, that asshole friend just i had this like one good thing and this asshole friend's gonna swoop it in just because i have like no self-confidence whatsoever so like that stuck with me and also so seductive like when <laughs> So you related to the bat mitzvah on like a deeply emotional level. Yeah, 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 exactly. Like I just remember that and I'm like, they're dancing on, you know, ease off to the side. And I was like, fuck, man, like, I feel that. It resonated. Yeah, I think Noah Darden Schwartz, the comedian we had on last week, very good episode. For everyone who hasn't yeah. listened yet, go back and listen. I think he just was thinking of it from like a writer's perspective. He's like, this is out of character for Ari. This is out of character for Vince. I like uh-huh. the episodes where they're on, so... Well, then you probably won't like this episode either. Yeah, so I, I agree. It's 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 a D list for me. There's nothing memorable or redeeming. I didn't even really like the drama plot. Like some of the lines yeah. around it are funny, but drama didn't an erection and there was a fake painting. Like if that's the way you describe the episode, it's not a winner to me. Yeah, not at all. And, you know, even the the one best Ari Ari quote was just him. You know, going off on Tarantino's next movie, which I mean, what came out after Kill Bill? Uh, because that was oh. that was when Kill Bill was Kill Bill came out in two thousand. Wasn't it Kill Bill two? Kill Bill two, well yeah, Kill Bill two was two thousand four. So what? Uh, it probably would have been Glorious Bastards. Well, Death Proof, which was Death out, Proof, yeah. yeah. Glorious Bastards was like his next big one, which was awesome. <laughs> yeah, he, he sucks, but he makes good movies, you know. Yeah, I said that's all I'm gonna say about that. <laughs> yep, for sure. Uh, you did, you taught politics all day every day, so I'm giving yeah. you an opportunity to take a break for just forty five minutes here, David. Um, but I had to ask you a question that I wasn't able to ask you in season one because we didn't have this question in season one that was brought to us by the Chad Goes Deep Dies earlier this season. And yeah. I asked this question of every guest, but that question is, in your life's entourage, who, what character are you closest to? I Probably a mix of E and Turtle, you know. Uh, I am sort of uh, a little bit uptight like uh, E, but I am hanger-on like Turtle. Um <laughs> We're just going strictly based on a man of like pot smoked at that age. It probably would have been turtle. Sure. Uh, so now it's probably more E, but um, I'll just say turtle. I, you know, okay. I like driving people around. I didn't, you know, it wasn't a, a job, but I always loved, uh, I always loved being a driver. It was, uh, I, you know, when we were doing like beach week trips and stuff, I would always want to drive. So um, I get that, that feeling from him, but yeah, it's a half E, half turtle. All right, cool. As everyone knows, I'm I'm pretty pretty strongly in E, but I I see what you're saying with the E turtle combo, and it's a nice combo I think of everyone yeah. you can be. If you wanted to mix two together, totally. I thought you'd just close that uh, category down every time, being like, yeah, and I'm Vince. Uh, <laughs> it's been great. <laughs> I, I've gotten a couple of Vinces, like a couple of Vinces in a row, which has been nice. Like, just I, I need people to be honest with themselves. If they're events, they're events. It takes a little uh, a little confidence to say that, but if you if you are, go for it. David Cavucci, always a pleasure. Thank you for joining once again to break down Season 2, Episode 11, Blue Balls Lagoon. Where can the good listeners of Oh Yeah, Oh Yeah follow you? Uh, Twitter at David Cavucci. It's at D-A-V-I-D-C-O-V-U-C-C-I. And that's that's about it. Uh, I do some Instagrams, but those are more for, you know, not the masses. Read the Daily Dot. Your product coverage is great um, if you care about that kind of thing. (laughs) Uh, Say say that again really quick because I talked over you. I said, read the Daily Dot if you care about politics. Our coverage is great. Uh, but if you want to just uh, veg out in the entourage podcast, then don't bother clicking because it's going to depress you and frustrate you. But I like both. David, I want to have you back when 
like later in the show's run during an episode which you haven't seen before. I think that'd be okay. a lot of fun. So watch let's, it for like the first time or just come and talk about it without even bothering to watch it? Watch it for the first time and then talk about it because I think it'll it'll provide some new, some fun insight. Unfortunately, that won't be until like late 2020 given the pace that the show does. So yeah, uh, I might be a little busy then, but we'll make it work. <laughs> Thanks, dude. Have a great rest of your week and uh, we'll talk to you soon. All right, awesome. Thanks, man. Bye.